All righty, well, we are going to start a brand new series, and this series is about what? What's the question? Easter. Bingo. Exactly. So, Easter's coming up, right? That's a big holiday in our, in our culture, and typically, uh, Easter is a time of nice clothes, family gatherings, uh, cute little bunnies, uh, colored eggs, anything else I'm missing about Easter? Candy. Candy? Can't forget about the candy. But what we know is that Easter, when it comes to the significance of Easter, it's not about all that stuff, right? Like, that stuff's fun. It's fun to go to grandma's or grandpa's and Easter egg hunt and get candy, right? It's fun to do that stuff, right? But that's not where the significance comes from. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at where this significance comes from, where it comes from. So on your notes, the first thing that you're going to see, the significance of Easter comes from Jesus doing the impossible. The significance of Easter comes from Jesus doing the impossible. So what is the impossible? What do you guys think? What's the impossible? Just shout it out. Walking on water. Rising from the dead. Anything else? Say that again, because I like two at the same time. I can't read, understand two languages at once. Red sea. Forty-five hours. Okay. I mean, if that was the case, then that's pretty cool. I mean, yes, sir. Possibly, yes. Calming uh, the waters. Okay, calm the water. So all those things are pretty impossible, right? Like if, if I was to go out to the Ohio River and say, Ohio River, part thy waters. Nothing would happen, right? You might get run over. I might get run over, and I might look pretty foolish. So all those things are, are pretty impossible, but for our, for our focus for this series, for the focus of Easter, here's the impossible. The impossible is beating death. Because no one can beat death, right? Like, we can do all that we can to, like, outrun it and uh, delay it and run from it, but ultimately, at some point, we're going to pass on from this earth, right? Like, no one's lived forever, right? And if someone has, tell them to call me. That's a pretty cool conversation to have. But no one has defeated death. That's impossible to do. No matter what you do, no matter what you take, no matter what you eat, drink, whatever, you cannot defeat death. So Jesus did the impossible. And that's where the significance comes from, right? Because if nobody can defeat death but Jesus, that's pretty significant, right? And that's where Easter, that, that's where the significance comes from in Easter. Again, it's fun to do all the Easter egg hunts and candy and all that stuff, but that is not why we celebrate Easter. And truly, and honestly, we should celebrate Jesus' resurrection more than just one Sunday a year. Like, that should be a thing that we celebrate every single day of our lives. And so for the next four weeks or so, assuming we don't have any, uh, any snowstorms or ice storms, whatever, uh, knock on wood wherever there's wood in here, uh, next four weeks we're going to look at four different encounters and from these four encounters, we're going to get four different takeaways. And so as we move into this first encounter, and this, this person that we're going to be introduced to, you probably have heard about him before. But before we get into that, let's, let's talk about the significance of an encounter. Because here's what it is. An encounter is something deeper 
than simply meeting somebody. Now, we all meet people, right? Like we, we, we all meet people, right? Whether it's informal, formally, whatever, you're passing them by the street, whatever. But if, if we encounter something, there's this sense that it's much deeper than just meeting somebody. A lot of people, they, they hear this word encounter, and depending on how, on how they think and what they believe, they might go to aliens, right? Because especially in movies and TV shows, whenever someone talks about an encounter... There's usually some excited person on TV saying, oh, I can't believe what they did to my husband or my wife, right? So that's what we think about encounter, but an encounter is something that's much deeper than meeting someone. So if we apply that to Jesus and we apply it to this idea of encountering Jesus, that should tell us that encountering Jesus should change everything. Because when you truly experience Jesus, it should change everything. It should change the way that you think. It should change the way that you process. It should change the way that you talk. It should change the way that you think. Because that's who Jesus is. And so the next number on your note sheet Here's the focus question for tonight. Here is the question that's going to drive us tonight. How do you see Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Because here's the reality. Every single person, whether they have a relationship with him or not, whether they've been to church forever or never, whatever it is, every person sees Jesus some way. Some people see Jesus as a good teacher. Or some people see Jesus as a good person, right? Because we can all agree Jesus was a pretty good person, right? Because if we put ourselves in the moments that he had on earth, we probably wouldn't have acted the same way, right? And so we all see Jesus a certain way. And tonight we're going to read about a guy who came face to face with this question. Because at some point, we're all going to have to answer this question at some point, whether it's here on earth or it's in heaven. We're, we're going to have to answer the question of how do we see Jesus? And truthfully, if I was to watch you for about mm, a day or maybe 10 minutes, I can tell you how you see Jesus. I can tell by the way that you act, that you talk or that you walk. I can tell how you see Jesus. And so tonight, that's the question, that's the question that will drive us. And so, in, in your chair, on the back side, there should be a Bible. So I want to encourage you to pull your Bible out, because I want you to see what I'm reading from. And we're going to be in John chapter 20. And for those that may not be familiar, John is the fourth book in the New Testament. And to make it even easier for you guys, it's on page 511. Most of you guys are like, thank God he said a page number. So on page 511, that is 511, like 911, but with a 5. So on page 511, 511, we're going to be introduced to a guy named Thomas. Now, who has heard about Thomas before? Okay. What's the word before Thomas's name that you might hear about before? Say it. What? 
<laughs> You're like kind of on the on the right track, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome for that. You're welcome for that. I didn't plan on that. It just happened. That's cool. So most people, when they hear about Thomas, all, all my adults, help me out. Doubting. Doubting Thomas. So Thomas is known as someone who doubted. And I think, and, and, and most people, when they look at the story, that's what they focus on. But we're going to focus on something even before that. Because I really believe that the reason he was a doubter, the reason uh, that he was called Doubting Thomas was because he didn't see Jesus the way that Jesus was. He had this idea of who Jesus was. He had this idea, this vision of who this person of Jesus was. But when it came down to it, it didn't match the reality of Jesus. And maybe tonight, or through this series, maybe you're going to be in that place where this Jesus that you know, that you believe in, that you've heard about, maybe he's going to be different than you were expecting. But, so let's dive into this. So, in John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Again, John 20, verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, that's a pretty cool name for a kid, I'm just saying. What up, my Didymus? Anybody? No? All right, cool. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So pause there for a minute. What's going on here? So... If you read the first part of chapter 20, you see that Jesus, after he's went to the cross, he's died, but he's, he's been resurrected. He shows himself to Mary Magdalene, and then he shows himself to most of the disciples, right? Because it said that Thomas wasn't with them when Jesus came. So Jesus showed himself to most of the disciples. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 24. And here's where we find the first thing about verses 20, 24 through, through 25. That like Thomas, or like us, like you and me, Thomas needed proof. And you see that, right? Why else would Thomas say, listen, unless I see the marks, unless I feel the scars or whatever, I'm not going to believe. Why? Because he, he needed proof, right? If I was to come to you and I, and I, I was to say, now you guys will not believe what I saw before you got here. I saw a pig flying. Now most of you guys are like, it, what's wrong with him right now? Right? Because we don't see pigs flying, right? Unless we like throw them in the air, but they're kind of heavy. So if that's the case, then that might be kind of throw out your arm or something. I don't know. But if you're going to believe something like that, you would want to see it, right? You would want some kind of proof that a pig literally flew across the sky, right? And so just how we are, we need proof. Thomas needed proof. And what's interesting, if, if, if you really uh, study this scripture, what's really interesting is that Jesus, before this moment, he's already told the disciples not once, 
but twice about his death and, and resurrection. So there's been two moments where Jesus said, hey guys, just so you know what's going on, I'm going to die, but three days later, I'll be back. And it's not on the screen, but in Matthew 16, 21, Matthew 16, 21, we see the first time. Where it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So that was the first time, Matthew 16. But then if you go to Matthew 17, verse 22, he says it again. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. So twice Jesus has said, hey guys, just so you know. Because let's, let's, let's be real. If you followed somebody for three years, like you gave everything to follow him. Like these disciples, they gave up everything, guys. Like they left their family, they left their friends, they gave up everything to follow Jesus. If that person came to you and said, guys, I'm going to die. But three days later, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to be raised from the dead. Most of us, we wouldn't hear that first. That, we wouldn't hear that second part, right? We would focus on, wait, after all this time, you're, you're, you're going to die? So the disciples, even though they were told twice that, hey, I'm going to die. But I'm going to come back. Thomas still needed proof. And Thomas is just like us. I don't know about you guys, and I, and I will use myself as an example. When it comes to believing who Jesus is, when it comes to believing all the things that he promises me, there's a part of me that, that has to see it to believe it. Like part of my story is me questioning if God loved me. Because I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't experiencing, so, experiencing it, so I thought to myself, there is no way that God loves me the way that he does. So if we're going to believe something, we have to see it, right? If someone, so like, for example, I'm sorry, Decker, just Paul does in advance. So when I first came here, I told you, right, that I was good at basketball. Oh, yes. Yeah? yeah. If you were here last week, Decker saw that firsthand. <laughs> I had to prove it to him. It was nothing personal. I had to prove it to you, buddy. Okay? I still love you. I went easy on you. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, we can go outside right now if you want to. Oh, yes. We won't, though, because right now it's about Jesus, not about me, okay? So in order for you to believe something, you have to see it, right? You have to experience it, and Thomas was the same way. So Thomas comes face to face with this question of how we saw Jesus. Verse 25, or verse 26, I'm sorry. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now let's, let, let, let's all just sympathize with the, with the disciples. You're standing in a room, and all of a sudden, there's a, there's a strange person right next to you out of nowhere. That'd be kind of freaky, right? Yeah, so let's just, let's just sympathize a moment of silence for them. Perfect. All right, let's move on. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach up 
Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. So here's the next thing. Thomas encounters the reality of who Jesus is. Thomas encountered the reality of who Jesus is. Like just, just think about this for a second. Jesus is someone who on two separate occasions said, hey, I'm going to die, but then three days later come back, and he proved it. He proved it. I don't know anybody who would come to me and say, hey, I'm going to die, three days later come back, I'm never going to see him again. Why? Because they're not Jesus. They don't have the resurrecting power that Jesus has. They don't. So in this moment, Thomas encounters the reality of who Jesus is. And that leads us to this next part, that Jesus does not need to prove himself, but he will. Jesus didn't need to prove himself to Thomas. He didn't have to prove that he was the son of God. He didn't have to prove how powerful he was, but he will. He did. And the same thing is for us. Maybe you won't like openly admit that you want God to prove himself, but deep down, maybe you have that part. Maybe something inside of you is saying, I'm not going to believe this until Jesus shows himself. He doesn't have to, guys. He wants to. He will. And what I love about this moment is that not only did Thomas see the reality of who Jesus was, but he saw the length that Jesus was willing to go to prove his love for him. And the same length that we see that Jesus did for Thomas, he wants to do for you guys too. In fact, he did that for you guys. Him going to the cross, him rising up three days later, just wasn't for the people in this book. It was for me and you today in 2021. So through this encounter, Thomas sees the reality of who Jesus is and, and, and Jesus proves himself. And then we go on to verse 29, where Jesus says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so here's where it comes down for you and me. Knowing Jesus comes by encountering Jesus. Knowing Jesus comes by encountering Jesus. Going back to this idea that an encounter is something much deeper than simply meeting somebody. When you encounter somebody, when you encounter something, it changes you to your core, right? If you're in here and you have given your life to Jesus, you know that that has changed you down to your core. You know that it has changed the way that you think. It's changed the way that you see things, it's changed the way that you talk, it's, it's changed the way that you handle things, so it changes you to the core. And so in order for someone to know Jesus, they had to encounter Jesus. In other words, they have to experience Jesus. They have to experience Jesus. And, 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 and here's the reality. You and me, more than likely, I may be wrong, because I'm not an expert at, at anything, but more than likely... You and I will not see Jesus face to face until either he comes back or we go to heaven first. 
Like Jesus, I don't think, I may be wrong, I don't think Jesus will walk through these doors saying, hey, I'm Jesus. No, he's not going to do that. And that's why he says, and I really believe he's talking to you and me today when he says, blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. So what's that mean? It means that if you're in here and you follow Jesus, you have given him your life, you are essential to the process. Now, I I truly believe that Jesus doesn't need us to do anything. He doesn't need us to create change. He doesn't need us to do anything, but he chooses to use us. And I'm grateful for that. Like the reality is, y'all know Jill and Martin right there in the band on Sundays, right? When the spirit moves, God doesn't need them to make that happen. He chooses to use them. They choose to let him use them, but he doesn't need us. But he wants us to be. So why, so why are we essential? Because most of you guys, if not all of you guys, you have people that will never, ever, ever, ever step inside church. They will never have a conversation about God. They will never come to see who Jesus is, but they will watch you guys. They will watch the way that you handle yourself under pressure. They will watch the things that you are interested in. They'll watch how you talk. They'll watch what you post on social media. They will know you. And so if people are going to believe who Jesus is, if they're going to encounter Jesus, it requires us to go talk about Jesus. When's the last time a conversation that you've been a part of was focused on Jesus and nothing but Jesus? I'll be honest with you guys. I can't remember the last time I've had a conversation like that. I can't remember the last time that the only purpose of my conversation was to, was to share the name of Jesus. You know, the Bible talks about coming and tasting and seeing. So if we come and taste who Jesus is, we will experience that. So here's the application point for us. Have you encountered Jesus? Very simple. Have you encountered Jesus? I'm not talking about telling me the facts. I'm not talking about telling me, oh yeah, he, he was born around Christmas and then he rose again on Easter. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about have you truly encountered Jesus? Have you experienced who Jesus is? Because anyone can spit out facts to me. Anyone can tell me when he was born, when he died, because you can go on Google and find all of that. But there's things about Jesus that I've experienced that I can't explain to you guys. Because there's moments where words just aren't enough to describe who Jesus is. There's not. There is no word good enough, beautiful enough, whatever, to explain who Jesus is at times. And so here in a moment, I'm going to invite Becca to come pray. And then we're going to move into a, a, a very small time of worship. And during that song, I want you guys to really sit and think about this question. Have you encountered Jesus? Because in the song, we're going to sing about how we have victory in Jesus, right? We, that because of who Jesus is, we have victory in everything. But we can't live in this uh, 
power of victory unless we have accepted Jesus to be our Savior. And so as we sing this song, I want you guys to really reflect on that. Have you encountered Jesus coming into this Easter season? Not thinking about bunnies, not thinking about eggs, not thinking about anything else. But have you encountered Jesus? Have you encountered the resurrected Savior? Because again, he is the only person who has and will ever defeat death. He's batting 100% right now. And the same God who defeated death wants to do that same kind of work in your life. Even in the small things that we would think, this doesn't matter. To him it matters. I said during the song, the volunteers, they'll be back there. If you want to talk to somebody, I'm sure they would love to talk to you about Jesus. If you have never put your faith in Jesus, I'm sure they would love to talk to you about that. And after we sing the song, we're going to break into small groups. But during the song, again, I just want you to just to press that question into your mind. Have I experienced Jesus? Have I encountered Jesus? And if you haven't, if you have never, maybe you've like been kicking the tires and you've like been checking some things out here and there, but you've never fully put your trust in him. Listen, tonight is the night to do it. Don't leave this place still kicking tires. Because I can tell you whatever tire you kick, he'll prove it. Okay? Whatever thing that you question about this whole Christianity thing, Jesus can prove it. That's the point of Easter. And again, we shouldn't just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus just in one day of the year. 